0: Welcome to episode 7.5 of i know nothing about mma i'm your host dc and today is just my thoughts my thoughts on some things that happened just a little few things that happened we have a possible rematch well nearly confirmed not quite confirmed but we have jorge masvidal versus nate diaz and my thoughts on that we also have nate's older brother nick targeting a return to the UFC early next year. Will it happen? Am I excited about it? Who knows? We also have Chris Cyborg calling my namesake, Daniel Cormier, a, a shill. What? And a few other things. And just before we get to the show, just some housekeeping. If you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give this podcast five stars if you want to. Apparently... That gets you nosed around here. Apparently, that's good. All those weird type of things. But anyway, if you need to email me, if you want to email me, my email is I know nothing about MMA at gmail.com. I always leave that in the link in the description. Or follow me on Twitter at I know nothing about MMA. My handle is ridiculous. I'll leave that in the description as well. But yeah, enough about that. Let's get on to it. All right, and the first story today is that Jorge Masvidal will be fighting, you guessed it, Nate Diaz. What? In a rematch of their incredibly one-sided fight from UFC 244, the Madison Square Garden card, which Donald Trump attended. So Donald Trump got to see that one-sided beating. Jorge Masvidal is a Donald Trump supporter he has made his political affiliations known, but hey, let's, let's not get into that, okay? Let's just talk about this fight, this really dumb fight that's taking place. And yes, it makes sense from a monetary point of view, this makes the most dollars and cents, thus it makes the most sense, but watching the first fight, I've thought, before the fight, I thought that Nate Diaz was going to walk through jorge masvidal i thought his striking would be a bit too clean i thought he was going to catch him at the end of the punches and outwork him out hustle him but in reality what actually ended up happening was that jorge masvidal was just way too much for nate diaz and to be honest i don't see that changing in the second fight in the rematch A lot of people thought that the first fight ended contentiously. There was a a bit of a controversy and how it ended with a cut. But if we're being sincere and we're being honest about what really happened, Nate Diaz was beaten into a pulp. He was beaten really badly in that fight. Every round was a clear Jorge Masvidal round. And it's not like a cut like this won't happen again. Sure, it might not happen, but he has so much scar tissue above his eyes that, yeah, he gets cut in like every single fight. There's not a fight where Nate Diaz doesn't get cut. He gets cut a lot. And for Jorge Masvidal to take this fight, yes, it is the most money for him, but as a competitor that just fought for the title, yes... It's just so hard. It's so annoying that a win over Nate Diaz, a guy he's beaten easily in the first fight, might get him closer to another title shot. Because in reality, that shouldn't happen. In reality, to get close to a title fight, he should fight Leon Rocky Edwards. If he was serious about claiming this title, and I don't think he is. I think he's pretty content being the Baddest motherfucker on the planet champion, the uh, BMF title holder, which is a a kind of a fake belt, isn't it? It's kind of a strange, weird, fake belt. It's kind of like the, uh, if you're a pro wrestling fan, an ECW fan, it's like when Taz had the fuck the world belt, when he wouldn't fight for the ECW world heavyweight title. I, f- I forget the storyline, but you guys get what I mean. It's a, it's a novelty belt, isn't it? So for him to put his novelty belt on the line the journeyman championship as Colby Covington calls it for him to put that on the line and not fight a guy that will put you closer to a title shot and yes Leon Edwards is not the biggest name however he is on an 8 fight win streak he is on a killer win streak so for Jorge Masvidal not to take this shot not to try go get the title shot again is a bit of you know it's a little ridiculous to me and it kind of shows you that he's cashing in and listen there's nothing wrong with cashing in but if this guy really was street jesus if this guy really was the uh, baddest motherfucker on the planet he'd be fighting people like leon edwards to shut people like me up to shut these fools up (laughs) i am one of these fools but i just don't get this fight i look i know it makes a lot of money this fight that's why it's gonna happen but i just don't get this from a real perspective from a fighter's perspective i get this from a businessman's perspective because this fight again will be a fun fight will it be a close fight absolutely not if the first fight is anything to go by Can Nate Diaz improve on his performance? I don't see how he can. I think the fighters that Jorge Masvidal has trouble with are fighters like Kamaru Usman. Fighters potentially like Leon Edwards. Fighters like Colby Covington. Fighters who are going to work him and work him and work him, not allow him the space to pull off these magnificent creative strikes he puts on. These dynamic, creative... You know, you know how he fights. He's a very dynamic and creative guy, isn't he? Jorge Masuda. But he is going to struggle against these guys because these guys won't give him the opportunity to work like that, to fight like that. But Nate Diaz, on the other hand, will. Nate Diaz is... I don't want to call him a shot fighter, but let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He's kind of a shot fighter, isn't he? Yes, he's going to stalk and slap me when he hears this, he's going to say fuck you he's going to say all these things but I don't really care because it's true I remember one time after a UFC event I think it was the after the Anthony Pettis fight that Nate Diaz won a reporter asked him what he thought about Colby Covington and he said who? and it's like we know why you're saying a who it's because stylistically wrestlers don't match up with you very well and if you fought Colby Covington it would probably spell bad news for you Do the fans want to see that fight? Um, I would say the fans would be more hyped for this fight, the Colby Covington fight, than they would be for this rematch, the Jorge Masvidal rematch. Because we've been there, done that. Been there, done that. Yes, it was a fun fight. It was a very fun fight. But, eh, you know what I mean? Eh, who cares? Fun fight, schmun fight. This is an athletic competition. You know, I'm going to contradict myself a lot on this podcast about this. Yes, I understand this is a business. And we want to make the most money while we're doing this. And I implore every fighter to do so. But if you want to be treated seriously in this business as well, if you don't want to look like you're taking the easy fight, then don't take the easy fight. Because that's what Hawaii Masvidal is doing. This is a case-by-case situation. Jorge Masvidal isn't in the situation, really, where I've got to cash out. Not really, and unless this is the end of your career. And listen, in saying that, I'll be honest. He's had a long career. He's had a lot of fights. He's had a lot of fights. And yes, he is having a successful period right now. But he needs momentum. And will this Nate Diaz fight give him the momentum? I don't know. I don't really know, because in my eyes, I don't want to see him take this fight. But hey, that's just me. So, yay or nay on the Jorge Masvidal-Nate Diaz rematch? A bit of a nay. A bit of a nay. But anyway, yeah, you know. I don't know what else to say. It's a it's it's a silly matchup, isn't it? It's a, It's silly. But anyway. That's enough of this story. Let's get on to the next story, eh?
1: And then following that uh, potential rematch between Jorge Mazador and Nate Diaz, is right. that confirmed or is that just being it's in It's being
0: worked work?
2: on. That fight was in the works, yeah.
1: Is the plan to have the BMF belt back another factor again and have it be defended? Or was... Well,
2: he wants to defend it against Diaz. They were the first two to fight for it, you know what I mean? They, they were the guys that fought for it, so he'll, he wants
0: to put it up versus uh, Nate again
1: so that's the plan headlining a card with a BMF belt on the side
0: right cool Um... alright let's talk about the news that Nick Diaz is potentially coming out of retirement he looks in good shape have you guys seen this his manager put up a video of Nick Diaz mean mugging the camera and he looks like he's in pretty good shape apparently he's walking around at 175 to 165 and it's the first time he's been at this weight for a, a long time. His last fight in the UFC was at middleweight when he fought Anderson Silva at 185 pounds. So now, walking around at 165 to 175 pounds, it's looking like he's making a tilt at the welterweight picture. It's looking like he's trying to come back as a welterweight in the same division as his little brother, Nathan Diaz. So this will be an interesting return if it does happen. But yes, it is an interesting return, but is it going to be a return that excites me? Not really. It doesn't really excite me at all, to be honest. And I know that's kind of a buzzkill. I am being a buzzkill because, yes, on the day when uh, Nick Diaz does return, I will be watching it with curiosity. I will be quite excited i will get those butterflies but if i had the option if you gave me two buttons on my desk and it says nick diaz will fight and nick diaz will not fight i'm probably picking the latter option every time nick diaz will not fight because yes he looks like he's in great shape but that was never a problem for nick diaz nick diaz and his brother nate diaz for that as well They've always been in great shape their cardio has always been their calling card their boxing, their cardio their toughness but Nick Diaz yes he has not fought in six years. yes he is 37 years old and you know you would think well he hasn't taken any damage in six years he hasn't been doing anything that will you know he hasn't been competing in six years right but in those six years what has he been doing? Allegedly, he's been partying a lot. And when you party, you do some silly things, don't you? You take some illicit drugs, allegedly. You drink a lot of alcohol, allegedly. You do these things. You don't not do these things, do you? You definitely do these things when you, you know, when you're out of, you know, when you're retired, essentially. And... But... Yes, yeah, so him being in good shape, does it surprise me? Not really. This is probably the best time for Nick Diaz to get into shape now that it's coronavirus, and now that he doesn't uh, have to party, there's no clubs open, so he can't party. All he can do is really train, so he's probably using it as an outlet. But yes, the conditioning of Nate Dia- uh, Nick Diaz rather, was never in question. Never. What is in question, though, is his mental state. And I go back to that interview he had with Ariel Hawani last November after the Nate Diaz-Jorge Masvidal fight where he was slurring his words, where he seemed to not be in the best mental state. He didn't seem to be in a proper state of mind, really, when he was making that interview. He didn't seem, He didn't seem like he had his wits about him, did he? In that interview. And yes. Nick Diaz has not competed in 6 years. He has been doing. Allegedly. You know. He's been doing some things in those 6 years. Not good things. Partying. All the rest. or Whatever. So yes. That does take a toll on your body as well. That does take a toll on. That ages you right. And not only that. But he's been in this sport for a very long time. He is a a pioneer in the sport, pretty much. He is an old-timer. He's been in the sport since... Really, it didn't have any mainstream traction. He's been in the sport since, like, 2003. Probably earlier than that. So he's, you know... That's, like, 17 years of competition. Yes, we take out six. That's uh, 11 years. But in those 11 years, he had some wars. He had some incredible wars that put his brain to the test he um yeah you know i don't know if i want to see nick diaz fight because he has been through the ringer quite a few times and all these things he's been doing over the past six years has he been training that much not really because when you saw photos of him he looked kind of flabby and his conditioning was probably still there if he could You'd probably run a mountain if you got him to. But it's different when you're in the octagon. It's different when you're competing. It's different when the cards are on the table and someone wants to fight you. And someone's not sparring you. But you know, And I know their sparring sessions are legendary at the Caesar Gracie gym. But it's different in an octagon. It's different when you're competing, and especially at the upper echelon. Because if he comes back, there's only two or three fights for him there's the jorge masvidal fight there's the colby covington fight there's the tyron woodley fight if tyron woodley beats colby covington there's you know and another one there's a leon edwards fight if you want to give leon edwards that shot that's what they were talking about on the hawani show at least get you know which is i don't really agree with that i don't think leon edwards should fight nick diaz that doesn't make sense you know again what makes sense in this business what's you know is what makes dollars and cents and really That's why Nick Diaz is coming back, because ultimately, this will make dollars and cents. Probably regardless of who he fights. MMA fans will tune in to watch the return of Nick Diaz. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up fighting. It'll be interesting to see if Nevada gives him uh, a license to compete. Um, Obviously, he had that thing with... um, the Nevada Commission, who suspended him for six years over a marijuana case, um, he he had you know he tested positive to marijuana or something like that, um, got banned for a very long time, five years I think it was actually, but. Obviously, and, you know, and I said, I wonder if they will. They will, obviously. You know, this is the same state that gave Conor McGregor a license to fight Floyd Mayweather because, in the end, these guys make money for the state as well. And I just want to talk, you know, I know this is about Nick Diaz, but I want to talk about the role of athletic commissions in keeping fighters who, you know, are a risk to themselves keeping them out of the sport, really, for the health of the sport and ultimately for the health of these people, you know, these fighters, including Nick Diaz, including BJ Penn, including Diego Sanchez, not allowing these people to compete. Wouldn't that be good if that was the case? Sorry, we have like a bush turkey outside just destroying us. That's okay, though. We'll carry on. You know, and athletic commissions need to be held accountable when they make these decisions, like letting Nick Diaz fight when he ultimately wants to fight, like letting BJ Penn fight when he wants to fight. Obviously, Dana White and the UFC need to take... What is that noise? Obviously, UFC and Dana White need to take some... Uh, responsibility for this as well they need to be held accountable as well for letting these guys fight but who also needs to bear responsibility are the athletic commissions who at the end of the day their priority is to ensure the health and safety of the competitors and letting people like nick diaz compete you're not looking out for his best self-interest in my opinion I don't think the photos of him being in shape really tell you much because he's always been in shape. His cardio was never a problem in the UFC. It's, you know, his slurred speech. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like that that makes you worry. And listen, I hear MMA fans talk about how safe this sport is and, you know, in comparison to boxing and giving boxing a bad name. But the matter of fact is, is that MMA has not had a generation of fighters who, grow old and retire so when we see that when we see what these guys are like and yes matt hughes is not a the best example because he had that brain injury and look we've seen it with bj penn already he yes he is an active fighter and diego sanchez but they haven't had a generation to look at these fighters and look at what this sport actually does to fighters before they can make judgments that well this sport is really safe because Yes, it is safer than boxing in the sense that in boxing you're getting hit in the head a lot. And in MMA, it can be a grappling match. If it really needs to be a grappling match. But the thing about MMA is these guys fight for fucking peanuts compared to boxers, especially at the high end. So they need to keep fighting over and over again. And not especially at the high end, but at the low end. They need to keep fighting. So, Yeah. You know, again we went on a tangent, and this just is what we do on this show. We go on tangents. This is the my thoughts, you know, it's just my thoughts, my unfiltered thoughts about this. So yes, do I want to see Nick Diaz back? Am I excited that he's back? Not really. But yes, will I watch the fight when it happens? Yeah absolutely for sure
2: be able to do chest like nick diaz did you ever see, see the video of him No no I that motherfucker with nunchoes uh, dude that's when you know you're bad he put know. the video private on uh, youtube though the best video the best video was he was on the conference call he was supposed to be fighting I think it was Mario Zoromskis. I think it's Zoromskis. he's supposed to be fighting Zoromskis, and he's on a conference call and like he like leans in the conference call I was like you know i'm just uh I ain't no bitch, you know, I'll fight, I ain't gonna play a fight. And he steps away from the conference call, and you hear him hit the bong. You can hear him hit the bong, yeah. And then he comes back, and he starts doing nunchucks. So while they're on this conference call, he's got the thing on, and they're asking him questions. And he's out there fucking doing nunchucks, he's high as fuck. And he hits the bong. And he says he's got a way to clean himself out. He said he just stopped smoking weed ten days out. You could do it, yes, but he has no body fat and he does so much cardio that he doesn't even let it get to the cells. But the only time that he
0: didn't... Let's talk about this fight UFC are trying to make. They're trying to make Leon Edwards, Leon Rocky Edwards versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. They're attempting to make this fight in place of, you know, just to shut Leon Edwards up, basically, here's a fight, I know you wanted that Jorge fight, I know you were going, but here's a fight, dude, chill out, yes, that's what they're doing to him, guys, and it really shows you the type of fighter Leon Edwards is to take this fight, to shut up, basically, and say, yeah, I'll fight him, because he, unfortunately, doesn't hold the cards, he, unfortunately... Doesn't have leverage in this situation, despite being on an eight-fight win streak. He doesn't have that leverage. It shows you the character of Leon Edwards to go and take this fight, because Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is an incredibly tricky fighter to face. Ask Robert Whittaker. Ask Tyron Woodley. Ask Vincent Luque, who he fought in his last fight at UFC 244, which was a barn burner, as they say in the professional wrestling business. It was an incredible fight. And that fight particularly showed Stephen Thompson's toughness because Vincent Luque is a warrior. He will come and come and come. That sounded a bit weird, but listen, he's going to come at you, okay? He's going to fight you, this guy. He's going to fight. And this is what he does. But Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with his range, he's a very lengthy guy, very talented striker. Maybe the best in UFC apart from Israel Adesanya. He is marvelous as a striker. So this will not be an easy fight for Leon Edwards. And for Leon Edwards to take this fight is, you know, again, it shows you the type of guy he is. Because... Yes, this win gives him another win. It puts him on a nine fight winning streak, but does it get him any closer to the title? Not really, because Stephen Thompson, you know, he isn't the. um, Yes, he's a tricky fighter, but he isn't like. uh, He doesn't have the name value for people to go, whoa! Holy crap. Put him in there with Kamara Usman. Now he just knocked out Wonderboy. You know, Anthony Pettis knocked out Wonderboy. You know, he um, it was an amazing shot. It was a once in a, you know, it was an amazing shot that Anthony Pettis knocked him out with. But Stephen Wonderboy Thompson will not get Leon Edwards closer to a title shot. This is a fight to keep the fans happy. I guess I'm happy with this fight. It's a fun fight, at least. It's a interesting fight, very interesting fight. But does it do much for Leon Edwards in potential... In, getting him closer to a title shot, not really, so again, Leon Edwards, he's stepping up to the plate, and you know, because he could easily stay out, and he could easily say, why should I fight this guy, you know, he he could play that kind of game, and you know, sit on the couch, and do these things, but unfortunately, doesn't have the leverage, and fortunately for us, he is a fighter, he is a He wants to be world champion, unlike one of these guys who wants to be the BMF champion and fight easy fights. If you remember, Jorge Masvidal fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, had a close fight with him, lost a split decision, but again, it shows you the type of character that Leon Edwards is. So am I happy with this fight? It's an interesting fight. Am I happy for Leon Edwards? Not really, because if he loses this fight, he has to start at the... Has, it's square one all over again. He starts at the bottom. A loss could be disastrous. Think Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. Yes, uh, Dillian White sorry, has the rematch clause with Povetkin. This is a boxing match, by the way. But it's really spelled disaster for his career and his world title aspirations. And the same thing could happen... To his fellow countryman. Leon Edwards. If Leon Edwards doesn't win this tricky fight. Against a very cool customer. In Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. A.K.A. The nicest motherfucker in the game. So. Yes. That's my thoughts on this fight. You know. Let's get on to the next story. Uh, One thing specifically I wanted to ask you about. is uh, I'm sure you saw Chael's comments. Chael came out.
2: And and he, you know, he was asked about what's next for you. And he said, Hey, Leon, you've been winning fights, but do something else. Do something interesting. What did you think when you thought Shell, she'll say that? Um uh,
1: I, don't, I, I don't really care. I don't really care much what he said, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like what what what's interesting? I don't I don't know what it means. Like what dress up like wear mega hats and like <laughs> that's not my personality, right? I cannot yeah. so I don't know. I don't know. i can keep doing my thing, keep telling these guys how it isn't. I, I want to become a world champion. I, I'll go from there. But let's don't. Um, yeah, here's what it is. What he says that, that's him, right? When Charles in his when when Charles fighting does his thing. He talks. He talks his way into positions, and yeah. so um, yeah, that's him.
0: Okay, and another story here. Yes, we're going to be talking about my namesake. We're going to be talking about DC Daniel Cormier, the great one. Even in retirement, there is no hiding DC. Yes, you are one of my favorites, but sometimes still, we gotta lay the hammer down on you. Now, Chris Cyborg, the former UFC featherweight champion, the current Bellator featherweight champion, she has recently come out and called Daniel Cormier a shill for disclosing his $1 million payout after losing to John Jones in their rematch. Is he a shill for the UFC? Absolutely. He's a good company man, as you would say. He does his job, and he does his job well. Is that personally wrong for Daniel Cormier? Not really. Not really at all. For him personally, he's doing the right thing. He has a cushy job at ESPN, He loves the company he's working in what's wrong with that however not everyone has the luxury to be Daniel Cormier not everyone has the luxury to be the double champ and he really needs to understand that that not everyone will be Daniel Cormier he is a pretty rare guy Chris Cyborg had a tumultuous relationship with the UFC and it's obvious from prior comments that Dana White made about her in the past that Dana White wasn't a big fan of her not even Joe Rogan was they made some inflammatory comments about how she cuts weight. Joe Rogan saying she's the only fighter who has to cut a dick off to make weight or when Dana White said she looked like Vandalay Silver in a dress not nice things to say, especially when your boss is saying that, and especially when someone who is so highly regarded in the company, like Joe Rogan is, to say that as well. It's quite unfortunate for Chris Cyborg, but Chris Cyborg has found a new home at Bellator. She's finding it very lovely over there. She has teamed up again with Scott Coker, promoted to the stars, and... We'll talk about the Daniel Cormier thing in a second, but I just want to make a note right now, just so I have it on audio, that while Scott Coker is kind of like the angel version of Dana White, he's still a promoter. He is still a promoter. He is not a good guy per se. He is still trying to maximize the profits off of fighters as much as he can. And if he really cares about the health of this sport, then you need to think again. Because some of the fights that they put on at Bellator are not representative of people who care about the sport. Definitely not. Some of these fights that Bellator put on are an embarrassment to the sport. Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie in 2016. A trilogy match. That's an embarrassment. We always rag on about Tito Ortiz and Ken Shamrock. I mean, and Chuck Liddell, rather. But why don't we rag on that fight? Which was embarrassing. It makes it a carnival. And Bellator do a good job of making this sport a carnival with really silly fights. So, back to Daniel Cormier. Is Daniel Cormier a shill? Is he a shill? yes obviously he is a shill right he has that cushy job at espn he's a company man but this is a larger debate around unionizing fighters fighters creating a union bargaining for better deals collectively but the problem with that is and what a lot of people don't understand is in sports like basketball in sports like even in sports like golf where it's Um, You're not on a team. In golf, yes, you are competing against other people, but indirectly. You're not directly competing against people as you are in fighting. In golf, your biggest enemy is yourself. But in MMA, your biggest enemy is the guy standing in front of you that wants to smash your face in. And it's a very ego-driven sport and it's a very selfish sport. So fighters who are active don't really take initiative in furthering the careers of other people because, again, really, it's a selfish sport. So, yes, Daniel Cormier. And another thing about this is Daniel Cormier, sure, he's happy. He's a modest guy by all accounts. He's very happy with the money he's made at UFC. But to be honest, he could have made more money and he should have made more money. For a long time, he was a bigger name than Tyson Fury. He was a big name in the picture. And did he get compensated like a big name in the picture? Absolutely not. Sure, he might think that $1 million is an amazing figure. But really, it's not when you look at some of the numbers that other people are bringing home. Especially people in your sport, like Conor McGregor. So, he needs to think about that. But... Listen, he's Daniel Cormier. He's not exactly going to shit on the company that made him rich. I don't think many people are. Only if you're someone like Conor McGregor. And what happened to Conor McGregor when he did this? Oh, wait. He got a lot fucking richer. A lot richer. He made his most money outside of the UFC. Do people not understand that? It took him to make $100 million against Floyd Mayweather for the UFC to go, we need to cut you in on deals because he is that good. He is, he brings that much business and he understands his worth. So yes, that's my thoughts on this. Is Daniel Cormier a shill? Absolutely. Should we hate him for it? Personally, not really. It's just what it is, right? It is what it is. So yes, let's get on to the next story. God, it sucks talking about DC like that. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, I think
1: uh, the Masvidal and Jones are interesting cases that I think you'll probably explain away, but my history in, in labor unions and sports in particular kind of makes me a little biased on this particular side, but if it were just those two guys, then... I feel like I could get on board and understand your explanation. And I obviously understand how businesses work. But there's a long history of issues with the labor in um, UFC not feeling that they are getting just payment or the treatment that they deserve. So can you speak to the to the long history rather than the specific individuals? Does anybody feel like they make too much money? Nobody
2: does. These guys just Listen, if we were talking about a thing where— you know, these guys had old contracts from three years ago, and it's like, come on, that was three years ago that I did this deal. It's real. They signed these less than a year ago. Right. This was months ago. We're in, oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but we're in a pandemic right now, and all the sports are going. Oh, by the way, every other sport out there is arguing over money right now. I haven't laid off one employee. I haven't asked any of my fighters to take less money, and you don't hear me out here crying about, no, I don't get any gates. I don't have this. I don't have – you don't hear me crying about anything. I'm running my business. I'm paying everybody. And right now, if you think it's easy to be a business owner right now, here and today, you are right out of your mind, okay? Because there's never been a harder time to do business than right now. Guess what? I'm pulling it off.
1: Well, you can't say you're not crying anymore. You just said it's a hard time for business owners. But I do think that it's important to understand that that there's different leverage. I was just explaining to you. The point point I'm making is... all right, I'm, uh, the leverage is different. So, like, saying that they just signed contracts doesn't speak to the leverage that they have in negotiation. Just because they signed contracts doesn't necessarily mean that the contracts are fair. I'm not informed enough to know whether contracts are fair or not, but I understand that when there's a track record of a number of athletes over a, a period of time having an issue with someone or a a company, then that seems like a, a a group that needs union unionization in order to have the leverage to get the things that they want. I know Molly has a question for you, but I that wasn't a question. I was just kind of making a oh, point.
2: Oh, no, no. I want you again.
1: Welcome oh, to the fight
2: wait. business, my friend.
0: And- okay, and this is another story that we can talk about. Comes at Shemov. Did I get that right? Shemov? I think it's Shemov. Habib 2.0. Let's just, let's just call him Habib 2.0, because I've been, trust me, I've been trying to say this guy's name, but phonetically, it's just not going right for me. I just, I can't do it. So Habib 2.0, he is the welterweight middleweight who fought twice in 10 days, dominated his fights. He is fighting Gerald Mearschert. hope that's how you say that guy's name too. Too hard names to pronounce. I'm not John Anik, by the way, guys. I'm just a regular guy. These are hard names to pronounce. But... Everyone was expecting Habib 2.0, Chimov, Chimov, to fight Demi and Maya. People were really excited for this fight. They thought, well, if he can beat Maia, we could be looking at a serious guy over here. But obviously, it's not working like that. He will fight Miershet instead. This will be... It, it, it obviously isn't the challenge that Meyer is because really where we want to see Chimov challenged is on the ground. We want to see especially someone who's good off their back, particularly a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist. Yes, Mirshat has a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but is it really the same black belt as Demian Meyer? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think this fight is going to be, again, one-way traffic. Because Shimoff is a big guy as well. He's like six foot one or something like that. He's a big guy himself. So, do I think that the frame of Gerald, his opponent, will cause Habib 2.0 much problems? Not particularly. I think that... This guy, again, we're going to see a phenom. We're going to see someone who was very, very special. Again. He's called Habib 2.0 for a reason. Yes, they're both Dagestanis. They're both from Chechnya. But they're both dominant fighters, especially from what we've seen so far. And obviously, Shimov hasn't fought the competitors that Habib has fought. But he's winning in such a dominant way. He's winning in such a remarkable way that. It doesn't really matter who he's fighting because he's winning spectacularly. And again, a fight against Damian Meyer where he would have been tested on the ground and he wouldn't have had he would have had a live opponent on his back. It would have been an interesting matchup. I still would favor him in that matchup because Damian Meyer, despite his incredible brilliance on the ground, especially his jiu-jitsu, Work, he's probably the greatest of all time to ever do it inside an octagon, you know, in, in an MMA capacity to do jiu in an MMA capacity, move over Hoist Gracie. I still think Shimov would get the job done in that fight. So I'm expecting this fight again to be one way traffic for Shimov. I'm expecting him to fight very well. And by the way, I think it's Shamov, Like, I think it is Shamov, But, God, I remember the first time I tried saying say this guy's name and I called him Chimiev. Oh, my God. What a butchering. That's why I call this guy Habib 2.0. But, yeah, he's a brilliant fighter. He's one of the best fighters you're going to see, like, all year, I think. I think he's a very special fighter to come into the UFC. If he loses against Gerald. Listen, I'll have egg on my face. I don't think it's going to happen, though. And he's a very interesting fighter as well, similar to Brian Kelleher, who just fought this past weekend on the Overeem Sakai card, who's going between welterweight and middleweight, similar to how Brian Kelleher's going from bantamweight to featherweight in this COVID-19 period. So that's really interesting, too. And I do expect him to fight at welterweight going forward because... There are some big guys at middleweight and you know yeah they're big guys right so I think he'll have more success at welterweight and I think he's a really interesting prospect at welterweight. I think he's a really really interesting fighter to look out for is Shemal, the Dagestani, the Chechenian. So yeah. Let's get on to the next story. Welcome back. Thank you.
2: Congratulations. I'd Obviously, two wins in ten days, a UFC record for victories. I mean, what's the emotion like for you after these two wins?
0: I feel amazing, like I said, ten days before. I'm so happy to be here, make history. If they have some history, just tell me I'm going to take this.
2: Another amazing win. I mean, is this, just, is this game easy for you? Is MMA just an easy sport for you?
0: <laughs> of course, it's easy for me. I'm born from the this country. When I was a kid, right like, it was war in my country. Uh, like everybody know, Chechnya. Say uh, like before how they was. And I'm, I like to fight, take in the cage and smash somebody it's, it's too easy. It's <laughs> yeah, too easy. I do smash somebody, you get money, brother. It's uh, <laughs> perfect for me. All right, and let's talk about. This funny story. Now, the real story is that lawyers for Dana White are filing a motion to dismiss his sex tape lawsuit. But who cares about that? Let's just talk about the the real story. The real story. I've got it written down here. I'm just going to read it. And then we can laugh. I've got dot points. So... The story has been around since April this year after it was revealed that Dana White was the alleged victim in a $200,000 sex tape extortion lawsuit dating back to 2015. That's
2: fucking illegal.
0: It was alleged by prosecutors in the 2015 case that White allegedly had an affair with an adult nightclub dancer in Brazil while there to promote UFC 179. Aldo versus Mendez two, the dancer, the girlfriend of the person who extorted him. His names, his last name is Ramos. His living girlfriend allegedly taped herself, ooh, taped herself and White having sex in their room using a cell phone. By the way, this is all alleged. I don't know if this actually happened, but it's what I'm, it's what I'm seeing reported by the great Brian Campbell. So she taped herself and Dana White having sex in their room using a cell phone. Oh, damn, Dana White, you got fucking played. White, who was married, oh, dude, had been seeing the stripper at the club for months and had been paying her large sums of money to dance for him per the suit. The dancer whose name was not revealed in the court documents was never charged. Okay. Over a two-year period, White allegedly tipped her around $200,000. And usually 10000 per visit for her to dance and have sex with him in the adult nightclub per the complaint. This is fucking crazy. You know, we all knew Dana White was a scumbag. And yes, he is the victim in this case, okay, guys? It's not cool to extort people or any of that stuff, okay? But hey, you do scummy things like that, you're going to get burnt. You play with the devil, you dance with the devil, sometimes you're going to get burned. And he got burnt. This is an embarrassing story for him. Whether it be true or false, it's still a story that's out there. That Dana White has a sex tape out there. I'm not sure anyone wants to watch that. That's a pretty fucking disgusting image to see a a potato-tomato guy. But yes. That's all. I just wanted to mention this. So, and that's crazy, by the way. He paid her $200,000 Sex must have been great. He should have married this woman. $200,000? Man, I bet his I bet her boyfriend was like, fucking yes. Keep seeing this guy. Who is this guy? And he's like a UFC fan. He's like, What? I know that guy. Are, are you serious? Film it. I can't believe it. Maybe that's how it happened. Who knows? Should she have filmed it? No. Obviously not. But... Should you be cheating on your wife? It's, you know, n- not really, but you know, that's that's an ethical discussion for another day. However, again, when you dance with the devil, sometimes you're going to get burnt. I'm not saying this sex worker was the devil, but he was doing... Not good things. He weren't doing good deeds over in Brazil. And he'd been seeing this woman in Las Vegas as well. He was, she, she must have been really into this girl. So, yes, Dana White, he pays for sex. He has a sex tape. It's funny to say that Dana White pays for sex. He definitely does. All right. Let's stop talking about this story. Let's get on to the next story. <laughs> okay, so this is an interesting story that I heard today. Don't know if it'll be much value to anyone who isn't a fan of these guys, doesn't listen to these guys, but apparently there's some beef, some wagyu beef between Ariel Hawani and Luke Thomas. There's been rumours of friction between the two for a good couple of years now. A long time, ever since Ariel Hawani left the MMA Hour, the house that he built, and then Luke Thomas coming over to fill the show in. The same time slot as well. So, little recap Ariel Hawani leaves the MMA Hour. Luke Thomas takes over the MMA hour. Ariel Hawani has a new show and they're both on at the same time slot. Now there's rumors that when these guys were having a show at the same time slot that Ariel Hawani would steal guests from Luke Thomas at the day of the show. Um, an example being a famous one being when Joanna check Gotta hate that name, don't you? Don't you hate saying that word? Shout out to Mike Goldberg, man. Ariel Hawani stole her from Luke Thomas, essentially, and Luke Thomas promised his fans she'd be on the show, but however, she went on Ariel Hawani's show instead. This caused a lot of friction between the two, and not just between the two, but between Joanna and and Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas does not speak to her anymore, which is, you know, it's kind of petty. She's just a fighter, isn't she? But one thing I will say about this is that, listen, I listened to both. Well, I did listen to both. I don't listen to both really anymore. I did listen to Hawani today, actually, but not really anymore. Ever since I've started this, I, I can't really listen to them. They're, you know, they're too good at what they do. Kind of make me feel like I should pack it in. But I'll tell you why I prefer Ariel Hawani to Luke Thomas. I feel like Ariel Hawani is. Listen, there's a reason why Ariel Hawani is the nine time MMA journalist of the year. Nine times. You know how Dave Meltzer calls the. Wrestler of the Year award, the Ric Flair Award, because he's won it so many times. And he calls it the Best Technical Wrestler of the of the Year, sorry, the Brian Danielson Award, because Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, won it so many times. So now he's named these awards after them. Well, in the future they're probably gonna call the MMA Journalist of the Year Award the Ariel Hawani Award. And there's a reason why he wins it over ...Luke Thomas, and people can say, well, it's because Ariel is a bootlicker. He's a politician. Very true that Ariel Hawani is a politician, but the word politician, it's kind of a dirty word, isn't it? It's not a... Who cares if the guy's a politician, right? Who really cares? Do you care? If you're a fan of both, do you really care that Ariel Hawani is a politician? I don't really care. Like, that's his job as a journalist, to curry favour with people he's trying to interview. That's kind of like his job. To get the story, to build relationships with people. But why I prefer him is because he seems just a lot more warm than Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas is a brilliant um analyst. He's a brilliant mind in the sport. He is, you know, he's a genius when it comes to this sport. But he is also a bit arrogant a bit um if you disagree with him or something like that you know he, he'll take offense <laughs> you know he's kind of like that or he's um he's very serious you know he's a very serious type of guy whereas Ariel Hawani is kind of a he's a warmer spirit if you know what I mean he's uh he's much more um palatable he's um you know he's He's easier to listen to, I suppose. He's not as grating. You know, an example I give... Is when Luke Thomas... Made that tweet that... Uh, I watched the Volkanovsky-Max Holloway fight... 49 times. And he got a... Uh, he got some heat for it. People were laughing at him. Saying, dude, you're you're a fucking weirdo, man. You are a weirdo. And he got really offended by it. Because, like, the guy is a weirdo. Like... If you watch a fight 49 times, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's kind of weird. It's like um w- like weird obsessive. It's weird. It's like compulsion, you know. It's 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 a strange thing to watch the same fight 49 times. And uh yeah, he was getting really defensive about it, calling people idiots if they thought that, you know, what's what's so funny about that, you know? It's like settle down, man. You're a weirdo. And Ariel Hawani, yes, he is kind of a weirdo himself, but he's kind of a lovable weirdo, isn't he? So, but hey, I do feel sorry for Luke Thomas, if that is the case, if Ariel Hawani on the... was um, stealing guests from him, because, listen, that's not good, is it? When people are, you know, stealing your guests. That's terrible, right? That should never happen. But also what should never happen is... Him, Luke Thomas, going on the same time slot as Aria Hawani for his new show. You know, after everything Aria Hawani had done for that show, built that show up and made it what it is today. Obviously, it doesn't have the same standing as it does today. Then that's basically because Aria Hawani isn't there and because Luke Thomas isn't there. One thing I want to say about Luke Thomas before we go, and listen, I don't hate Luke Thomas. I think Luke Thomas is a. Um, brilliant mind in the sport I really do I think he's like a technical wizard I just find he's not uh, he's not a politician is he he's a uh, he doesn't try curry favours with fighters and that's your job as, as in the job that he's in as a journalist as someone who interviews fighters you know it's why Aria Hawani is the top guy because he is a much more warm and likeable figure than Luke Thomas and that's 100% true Luke Thomas, with his um, technical um, analysis, is a genius. No one in the sport does it better. No one. Even people who fight don't do it better than him. Like, he understands it. Um, he thinks about, you know, fighting very cogently. He's a, he's, a, he's a brain. I don't know what else to say. But what I want to say about Luke Thomas, sorry, is that he's now left his post at Sirius XM and he will be going to CBS Sport. Well, he has gone to CBS Sport to go with Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell, they have a show together called Morning Combat. Brian Campbell is also one of the best in the business. His State of Combat podcast, if you guys are looking for another podcast to listen to, just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. He's a Yeah, he's a wizard himself, and it's not because he's like a genius or anything, it's just because he's so brilliant at putting together a show. Very warm and likable guy, and maybe that's what Luke Thomas needs, but I feel like CBS is not the right fit for him. He could prove me wrong, but I just felt like what he had at SiriusXM was so brilliant you know it was his kind of radio station sirius xm being the satellite radio station that was popularized after howard stern moved there and it's kind of a free-for-all station in terms of censorship in terms of what you can and can't say um he was able to voice and air his political thoughts on them much more frequently and he was able to give you a different opinion basically on that radio station now he's at um you know a media conglomerate basically you know cbs a huge station and i don't know if he'll be allowed the same freedom over there but hey i'd like to see him proved wrong you know i'd like to see him prove me wrong rather but um but yeah god this went off track this is what always happens when i do my thoughts because we always just go off track we're never really staying on track when we do these things kind of crazy but anyway on the aria hawani and luke thomas beef again there's a reason why Arya hawani is at espn and there's a reason why he's at espn even though he doesn't have the best relationship with dana white it's because he's he's the best at what he does what do you, what do you want me to say he really is brilliant to what he does and yes he is a politician but that word's kind of a dirty word now that's his job you know i know i've just i know I've re- i'm repeating myself but that's the thing i see about Arya hawani a lot or he's a vapid person he um but that's the fight game as well you know the fight game is all about the narratives the stories um yeah the technical analysis and breakdowns are fine but what's really interesting to me especially about the sport are the stories, are the narratives. So me and Ariel, we kind of see more eye-to-eye on what the sport is really about. Um, You know, it's a business, after all, and he fundamentally understands the business, in my opinion, more than Luke Thomas. That's just my opinion. That's why he's at ESPN, because he's the best, and he understands the business to a better degree, and he can represent the business to a better degree. But anyway enough about these two guys. enough about my competition. no, i'm just kidding. these guys are not my competition. not yet at least. but yeah, if, you know, it's just my thoughts on that. you know, doesn't matter. does it is it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things does anything matter in the grand scheme of things? not really. but i just thought this was kind of interesting to talk about, right?
2: are you more amused or more annoyed by your 49 times Tweet, becoming a meme and copypasta on the MMA subreddit. I don't give a fuck either way. If you're a juvenile idiot and that kind of thing is uh, hilarious to you, great. If it is somehow kind of interesting to you, great. If not, great. It doesn't... I don't... You can't... I can't control what they do on MMA subreddit. You have to be kind of a moron to think it's particularly funny. So by all means, keep using it. It doesn't, it doesn't impact my day one way or the other.
0: Okay, and that's it for this episode, guys. That was my thoughts. That was episode 7.5 of I Know Nothing About MMA. If you want to leave me an inquiry, if you want to email me, ask me a question, any of those things, email me at i know Nothing about MMA at gmail.com. As always, I'll leave it in the description of this podcast. And, yeah, guys, have a great time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.